This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Now, as we get started in this message today, we're, we're right in the middle of a series called How to Change Your Life, and we're looking at your life stories, and we're reflecting on stories that God has been telling through our church, and we're asking, what can we learn? And I want to start by asking you a question today. It's so important for you to be thinking about this. Who is telling your story? Who is telling your story? And it's important for you to think about this because if I were to take your kids or your parents or your brothers and sisters, maybe even venturing out to your neighbors and going to your coworkers and your friends, and I were to ask them, could you tell me about our mutual friend? You know what they would do is they would tell me a story because your life right now, as you're living it, is telling a story in front of other people. And the question I want to start by asking today is, who's telling that story? Who's telling that story? Because number one, this first thing in your notes, somebody is telling your story. Someone is telling that story. And honestly, the options are quite few as to who's going to tell the story of your life. Really, it's either going to be you. Now, you might say, you know, you, you don't understand, Kevin. I, I, there were things in my past, and, and it was somebody who kind of influenced me to do that. Somebody led me to do that. I was following somebody. I didn't really make the decision. I was just along for the ride. Can I just help you a little bit? God will never blame your sin on somebody else. He won't. And though you may be influenced from a thousand different directions, you can write your story or we can let the Father write our stories through us, right? He can write his story in our life through us as we live. Those are really the two options. And I want you to see something about the stories that we tell. The stories, when we try to take over the authorship of our story, when we try to take control of our lives, I want you to see, this is number two, the stories that we tell are lies. The stories that we tell our lives. If we're going to take the Bible serious, in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. I want you to understand, if he is the way, the truth, and the life, that if you're telling a story through your life right now that is contradicting who God wants you to be, that is contradicting who God says you are, that story is a lie. And I'm hoping, I'm praying, that some of us get caught in a lie. You ever been caught in a lie? I heard a story this week about a lady. She went into a butcher shop. She was, she was hungry and getting ready to provide a meal for her whole family. They were all coming over. You've been there before. Forgot about it. Didn't remember until the end of the day. And so she went to the butcher and she said, Butcher, I need some chicken. I need some chicken tonight. And he had had a busy day. So he walked back into the back, looked in his cool. He only had one chicken left. So he brought it up and set it on the scale, and she looked over. It was two pounds. She said, Butcher, that's not enough meat. I need more meat. You got a bigger one in the back. So he took that bird and walked back there in the back, and he sat there long enough, and he thought, I think I can fix this. He walked back out with the same bird, put it on the scale, and leaned into it with his thumb a little bit. 
This time it read three pounds. And she looked at him and said, that's perfect, butcher. I'll take both of them. (laughs) You ever been caught in a lie? See, I think that many of us today, I'm praying that you get caught in a lie because the story that you're telling about yourself is you're saying, I'm not good enough. You're saying, somebody with a past like mine, God, you could never use that. Some of you have started to define yourself by your failures. And I'm hoping that today that that lie that you're telling, that God will catch you in it. And today you'll see the truth. Look at what 1 John 2 says. It says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandment, that person is a liar and not living the truth. I want you to understand today that that's the tension. The tension is, are we going to look to God and say, God, you can write your story through me. You ask it, I'll do it. Or are we going to try to do our own thing? Because when you do your own thing, when you live your own life, when you endeavor to write your own story, the story that you write is a lie. This may be no more evident than in the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. He begins that story as teaching a large crowd of people, and he begins that chapter by teaching and telling two stories. He first tells a story about a shepherd who loses a sheep. He leaves the 99, goes find the one, brings it back, has a party. The lost has been found. He tells then about a, a story about a woman who has invested her whole life's earnings into a coin. She loses that coin. She goes frantic, tears her house upside down, finds the coin. And when she finds the coin, she throws a party to celebrate that that which was lost has been found. And then he tells a story about a son that is lost to a father. We tell that story and we call it the story of the prodigal son. And it begins with a son who goes to his father and says, Father, I'd like my inheritance. Now, in these days, it's not uncommon. As a matter of fact, a lot of elder um, kind of house leaders of households will break up their inheritance before they die now so that they can watch their kids enjoy the inheritance that they've worked so hard to give them. But in those days, it was an insult. It was as if he said to his dad, Dad, you're just as good as dead to me. You, my relationship with you has no value other than this money. So why don't you just go ahead and give me the money and I'll get out of here. And you know the story that dad did. And he got out of there. And he went to another country and he lived wildly, he squandered the money, he found himself poor. And then I want you to see how when he talks about himself, he's telling a lie in Luke 15. Verses 18 and 19, he says, Now, waking up from his senses, having been now forced into slavery, starving almost to the point of death, he says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So please take me on as a hired servant. If you know the story, there's a great party. The son has come home. At the end of the story, there's a peculiar moment where the older son, the one who stayed behind, is outside arguing with the dad. He's refusing to go into the party, refusing to celebrate that the younger son had returned home. And he says this to his father. The older son replied to his dad in verse 29 of Luke 15, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to. I've never refused you, Dad. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. You got 
two lives who went two drastically different directions. You have a son who blew it. And there's some of us that are in here today that we have blown it and we know it in life. I've got it wrong. I haven't lived up to God's standard. And that son looks at the father and says, Father, I'm, I'm not worthy to be your son, but maybe I can be a servant. Let me just rephrase that. Maybe I can earn my way back into your favor. My value is no longer in who I am, but in what I do. And then the older son says, you know what? I'm a slave. I've, done, I've got it right, but I've, the only reason I've been getting it right is because I'm your slave. I have to do what you tell me to do to get this inheritance. I've stuck around. I've been good, but it's just because I feel bound to you. I want you to see number, this is the third thing in your notes. And it's so important because we're going to see this in the way that the, the father responds. To live authentically, we must let the father tell our story to live authentically, to live as the person that God made you to be. We must let the Father tell his story through us. And you see this in how the Father responds to these two sons. When he goes to the younger son, the, the, he tells himself, he gives himself that speech, and then he actually sets off. And, and the, the scriptures record as Jesus tells the story that the Father saw his son while he was still a long way off. And he ran out to meet him. And he threw his arms around him. And you can watch as you read the story that he says the same speech that he had rehearsed just a few verses earlier. Drops down on his knees. And he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you please hire me on as a servant? He picks him up. He hugs him. And he looks to his servants and he says, go, go get a robe for my son. Go get rings and put them on his finger. Go, go kill the fattened calf because we're about to have a party because this son of mine was dead is now alive. He says, no, the story that he's telling about himself is I'm, I'm maybe good enough to be your servant. But the father says, no, you're my son. And then with the older son, after the older son says, I've been a slave to you. I've worked for you. I've done everything. I never refused you, but you've never given me anything. He says, no, you've got it all wrong. As a matter of fact, everything I have, it's been yours all along. When I divided up the inheritance from that point on, all that I've retained belongs to you. You've been trying to earn something you already own. You're not a slave. As a matter of fact, you're the master. Like, you're the person that is the landholder. You're the person who owns all this. You've already received an inheritance. You've just been trying to earn something you already were given. See, I think some of us today, we need to realize that we're living a story that's a lie. And the only way that we can live authentically is to embrace the story that God wants to tell through our lives, which is why this week I chose to feature my friend. She's been my friend since we were little kids. 
Her name's Lindsay Tool. She's our children's pastor. And so for the next few minutes, I want us to pause and just watch her story. Listen, you tell her, you, she's going to tell you about her life, and I want you to let her story kind of sink into you. Then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to teach you a little bit after we get done watching that. Watch this with me. When we let um, Lindsay watch that for the first time, she sent me a text and said, have you ever noticed that I have a really thick southern accent? <laughs> I was like, you're just figuring this out? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Isn't that a great story that somebody would come out of nowhere and become a champion that God's using? I mean, our children's ministry has grown under Lindsay's leadership to now um, averaging almost typically well over 90 to 100 kids a week. She has done a phenomenal job. We're so thankful for her. But we're really even more today, I'm thankful for her story and her willingness to share with us because I think there are a few things in her story that are going to help us today to get past our past, to get past our past. So the first thing that I want to do, I want to frame an understanding for you to understand where you are today. So the first thing you notes, look at this, that your life is normally a mix of your past and your person. Your life is normally a mix of your past and your person. I want to spend a few moments trying to explain that for you. There's several facets of past. They're not always bad, okay? The, the first one is family history. And all of us come out of different families that have different cultures, different strengths, and then different weaknesses. And here's a secret that I want to give you about every single family that's here today. Every one of your families is crazy. You may not know it. You may not see it. I promise you other people do, all right? But your family is crazy. And what typically happens is we pass our own version of crazy off to our kids, which is why it's true. I'm going to show you where the Bible teaches us, which is why kids that grow up in homes that are more judgmental, where the activity of conversation is to talk about other people and to judge other people, they be, themselves become judgmental because they grow up in that environment. You ever known people that were overly dramatic? Like every problem is the end of the world, they're chicken little, right? That typically, it's typically families, isn't it? Like we learn how to do that in our home. Look, at this is one of the scariest verses in all the Bible. It's Numbers 14. Look at what it says with me. The Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. That's important to remember that. But he does not excuse the guilty. Look at this. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations. I want you to understand that when we create, and I'm not talking about good or bad, I'm talking about sinful. When we have a sinful culture at home, our kids grow up in that, and they learn from it, and it becomes normal to them. And every one of us, I don't think that that's a judgmental passage. I think it's an honest passage where our kids naturally learn from us. Some of them are, are learning insecurities. Some of our kids are learning fear. But they're learning from it, and we're passing that on. That's one of those lies that we're telling, and I'm praying that today we get caught in that. But see, 
It's not always that. Sometimes it's good. You actually get a, a taste of that in Lindsay's story where she says, we went on a beach trip. We didn't go on a lot, but we went on some. And I remember just that time that I got to spend with my family. It was so good. And so as a parent, she looks back on that and says, I want that for my kids. I want to make a decision that we're going to be intentional about spending time together. But it's not just family history. The second part of our past is life experience. And there's good and bad life experience that we've all been through. There's some things that we've been through that were awesome. Lindsay shares that story about her going to Germany with my sister and my grandmother, right? And, and her actually on that trip, giving her life to Jesus, being rescued by God uh, thousands and thousands of miles away from home. I want you to see today that, that those experiences contribute to our past, but it's not just that. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's where we've made decisions to counter the ways of God in our lives, where we've looked at God and said, God, no more. I'm going to write the story from this point on. Sometimes it's sin that has been in our past, and some of you have those moments, things that you look back, and those things are things that you've identified yourself as. I'm a failure. I'm an addict. I'm the person who... But I want you to see that it's not just our past that defines where we are today, but it's also our person. I love that God designed you to be uniquely you. That there's nobody who's ever been created in the history of humanity that was designed to be you. And let me just help you with this, okay? If you ever find yourself looking at somebody else and wanting to be them, you're sinning. Because God's design was never that you be like somebody else. It's that you be like Jesus, but that you be you like Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 1, the Bible records God's conversation with Jeremiah, and he says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Last fall, I was praying for Lindsay and her family, and I just got this thought in my head, like their family's a pretty crazy family. You ever been around a crazy family? Like just fun kind of crazy, like the kind of crazy you just want to go hang out and watch the crazy things they do. I love Lindsay's family because, of, and I thought to myself, how awesome would it be if there were a fourth kid? The crazy factor could just go up a little bit. And so I text her. It was November. I text her and said, hey, I'm praying for you to have a fourth one. And her response to me was, shut your face. Shut your face. Don't pray that. So, so this spring when they found out they, they were pregnant, that was the first person she told, and she was not very happy with me. But as you see that start to form, God knows. They know they're, they're having a little girl, and, and God knows that little girl already. He knows the personality that he made for her. He knows the plans that he has for her, and God knows that about you. I'll throw that back up here. I want you to look at this with me. First point. Can we get that? That your life is normally a mix of your past and your person. Do you notice a word in there that I don't like a whole lot? Normal. That's because this, this is the rule that many of us have grown up with. That this is what my life is going to be. What I've done, who I am. But I want you to see number two in your notes today that there's an exception to this rule. And that one exception is Jesus. That one exception is Jesus. That you, 
you should be a mix of your past and your person. But Jesus is the exception to that role today. I want, you, I want to share a moment in the ministry of Jesus with you today. And I want you to see the, the weight of what Jesus is actually saying in these words as he really announces publicly in Luke 4 that his ministry's uh, beginning. He, he's kind of quoting some scripture from Isaiah and he's saying, this is me. This is what I'm here to do. Look at this. Luke 4, beginning in verse 17, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to teach them by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See, Sin is supposed to lock us in chains. It is supposed to render us into bondage. But Jesus said, I came so that those of you that are in bondage can be set free. See, there are a lot of times we look at life and because our past naturally should earn our future, we look at our past and we say, we can never, I can never be this. I could never do this. But Jesus says, I claim, I came to proclaim freedom for those who have been captive, to bring sight to the blind. You may have never seen the ways of God before. You may have never been able to perceive what God wants for you. But Jesus says, I came to change the rules so that now you can see. So that now you can be liberated. So that now you can live in freedom. So that the chains can be broken. So that you can live in the exception to the rule. Because when we embrace the exception to that rule, our life becomes exceptional. Jesus is the exception that leads to an exceptional life. Because when Jesus enters our life, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. Everything that you thought about yourself changes. Everything that you think you could be, should be, that the world owes you, it all changes. Jesus changes everything. And number three, Jesus takes us past our past. He takes us past our past. And I want to zero in on a, a small section of Scripture out of Philippians 3. We just got out of a series where we taught out of Philippians, so I'm not going to give you a ton of background on it. But this is the Apostle Paul, and he's given us kind of, all right, this is what I'm doing in life right now. Look at what he says. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Now, I always think it's interesting that he says that I, I, I'm focusing on doing one thing, and then he lists out two things. You ever notice that? 
That seems confusing. It's confusing to me. You ever think that maybe those two things are one thing? That to press on, we have to forget what is behind? I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You see, the Apostle Paul is like many of us. He has a good past. There are things that he've done, he's done that have been awesome. He started churches all across this area that, that this church, Philippi, is, is, is contained in. Many, many, many churches. There are many people who have come to know Jesus because of his ministry. And he says, you know, no, if, if I'm going to press on, I have to forget the good things. Some of us need to remember that the things that are holding us back in life are not necessarily bad things. They're good things that God has done in our life. And we keep looking back and saying, God, when are you going to do that again? And he's saying, forget that and move on. Press on. But there's many of us here today that are also like the Apostle Paul, where our past is filled and littered with things that weren't good. There have been seasons where we've made massive mistakes. There are relationships that we've betrayed. There are behaviors that we've sold ourselves into. We've lived in bondage and in chains to sin. See, the Apostle Paul was no different. He was so bound by pride that he was killing people because he did not believe in Jesus, but they did. And he says, if we're actually going to go after this life that God wants for us, we have to forget what is behind and press on to take hold of that life. So as we get ready to close, I'm going to give you two things that Jesus does in us to get us past our past. If you're taking notes, I'd write these down. The first one is that Jesus releases us from our sinful past. Jesus releases us from our sinful past. Now, there are many of us today that we have defined our current situation in life by our sinful past. That we are liars, addicts, failures, cheaters, whatever it would be. We say that about ourselves. When we talk to ourselves about who we are, we define ourselves through our failures and our mistakes. But I want you to know today that Jesus, through his grace and mercy, releases you from your past mistakes. That's what the cross was all about, him paying the penalty for your sin, him giving you that liberty, that that freedom that you could never earn. But the second thing that Jesus does is something that many of us have never experienced. There are a lot of us that understand that God wants to forgive us. But number two, look at this. Jesus redeems us beyond our natural abilities. He redeems us beyond our natural abilities. I love that word redeem. As a matter of fact, I think if there were one word that I could sum up who I am and what God has done in me, it would be that word. See, the the root word of that word is deem, to deem something. If we were having a conversation today about an event that we held yesterday, it would not be uncommon for us to say, I deem that event a success. To deem something is to pronounce and title something. And many of us have deemed ourselves as failures. We have deemed ourselves as not good enough. We have deemed ourselves as people that God could never use. We have deemed ourselves as as insufficient 
for God's economy. God could never take me and use me. But God, through his power, redeems you. See, we've told stories about ourselves that were lies. If you're saying to yourself, I can't, and you know God has said do it, you're lying. If you're calling yourself out and naming yourself by your failures in the past, I want you to understand today that God, through his grace and mercy in Christ Jesus, does not do that if you're his. He redeems you. He takes you, names you something different, calls you a victor, calls you an overcomer, calls you blessed. He calls you something different than what you call yourself because the stories that we tell about ourselves are lies, but the story that he tells is the truth. And today, I'm hoping that some of you have seen the lies that you've been telling about yourself and you realize the trap of your past and you're seeing that God is inviting you today into a brand new journey with him where he brings liberty and freedom from the things that have bound you up in the past and that he will tell his story through you as he redeems your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're a merciful and loving God God, thank you for being so gracious and generous to us. Today, God, as we, as we pause in this moment, we realize that there's so much of us that needs to be redeemed. We've called ourselves failures. We've called ourselves insufficient. And in many ways, God, we need to embrace the truth that is your story that you want to tell through us. And so today, God, we just look to you. And we ask you to tell that story. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question today. Are you that person that you've been telling a story about yourself that is not true? And you know today that you need to stop telling it and just say, God, come tell your story through me. If that's you, raise your hand. Who else? Who else? Awesome. Who else is here saying, God, God, I'm just surrendering to you. I'm tired of running from you. I'm just going to surrender to you telling your story through me. Who else? I have another question. I have another question. If you're here today, and maybe you've been labeling yourself as a failure. Maybe you're the person that's here, and you've been saying, God, I just can't. There's no way you could use me. And you've given your life to Jesus, but you just continue to tell that story about yourself. And you just want to say, God, I'm sorry for doing that. Please forgive me and take me beyond this. Raise your hand if that's you. Awesome. There's a lot of people there. So God, for today, as we pause, we just ask you to come and bring your healing and restoration, God, for those that are surrendering their lives to you in this moment. God, we just ask you to, to strengthen them. God, lead them beyond us. Care for them. Pastor them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.